We're going to turn to the Bible now. And if you've got it uh, on a device or, or on a piece of paper like I have, Edward reminded us this morning, those of us who gathered um, at the school this morning, of the importance of the scriptures and for us as those who believe to, to have it as part of our uh, daily routine, really, to, to feed on the word of God. And uh, I've just been pondering this passage this week um, from Ephesians chapter 2. So I'm going to read it from verse 1 to 10. And then we'll spend some time just gazing at it. As for you, writes Paul, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want to just say, wow. What are you looking forward to? I've been looking forward to the start of the World Cup. And I know that Edward has been eagerly awaiting the start of the World Cup. And uh, I am more fortunate than others because I have two teams to support. So uh, I can follow England in the early stages and then I can follow Brazil in the latter stages. Although I'd love to see them meet in the final. Wouldn't that be amazing? For some of you, that's of no interest at all. I've already lost you. Forgive me. Maybe you're looking forward to Christmas. Anyone got their tree up yet? I've seen quite a few up. Not just in the shops. It's Advent Sunday next week. We light our first candle. We're really looking forward to seeing loved ones. 
that we haven't seen for a little while. What are you really looking forward to? I wonder where heaven would be in your list of the things you're looking forward to. The New Testament has so much to say about the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. In fact, Paul, the writer of this passage that we've read together, speaks about if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we're to be pitied. Because there is so much more that Christ has done for us. Maybe it's because I've been thinking about funerals. I've uh, had several funerals and will um, have by the end of the coming week or so. So we read together an amazing passage of Scripture written by the Apostle Paul to the Ephesian church. It's an amazing summary. I've, I've asked Arnold to keep it on the screen for us because you may not all have Bibles with you. And, um, but it's going to get smaller and smaller the, the more we put on there. So, sorry, it's an eye test. Anyone need glasses? It's an amazing summary of what the grace of God means for us. It is so jam-packed with truth that I would encourage us to go away again and reread it slowly with a willingness to stop and wonder at the treasures it contains. I wonder what stuck out for you when we read it just a few moments ago. Was it the bad news? You were dead in your transgressions and sins. But then that wonderful verse 4 and 5, but! Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. It's by grace you have been saved. The Apostle Paul is just so full of the Holy Spirit. Just in that phrase, he mentions love of God, mercy of God, the grace of God. These incredible words. It's only the great love of God that has rescued us because we had nothing to offer of ourselves but our sin. This is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us. And God, who is rich in mercy, does not punish us as our sins deserve. That's what mercy means. We don't get what we deserve. But more than that, this is grace. We actually get what we don't deserve. The blessings of God revealed to us in Christ. This is breathtaking enough, but there's even more. I want us to pause at verse 6 and 7. God's grace is not merely united us with Jesus in his death and resurrection, but also his ascension too. We were dead in our sins. We weren't just struggling. Paul wants to make it clear. We weren't just, you know. We were dead. Deserving of wrath. Because we were dead in our sins. 
But Jesus' death for us cleanses us of all our sins. And not only that, these amazing words, we have been made alive with Christ. Through his resurrection, we have been made alive with Christ. We have been raised from the dead. But not only that, we've been raised with Christ and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms. And we struggle with it. I struggle with this sometimes. It sounds amazing, but I, my feet are on the ground. But even though we live bodily on earth right now, we have ascended in Christ. And we sit with him in the heavenly realms. We have been lifted up from deepest hell, objects of wrath, to highest heaven, seated with Jesus in heavenly realms. He's echoing chapter 1, verse 3. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We are citizens of heaven. The new heaven and the new earth is our true home. Place where we can be looking forward to. But we are there already as well. If we are in Christ. It's a mystery, isn't it? But we are buried in his heart forevermore. Thank you for praying for Alpha. I think it was Bridget prayed. Not a huge course we have, just a few guests, but amazing evenings we're having. Amazing questions that people are asking. The big questions of life. And one of the big questions is, what's the meaning of everything? And this week we'll be covering the Bible and God's guidance, and we'll ask that question. What's the meaning of everything? What's the purpose of everything? What's the aim, the reason, the goal for our seemingly small, ordinary lives? And the answer the Bible gives us is something extraordinary. We would be on solid footing, both biblically and I think historically, if we were to answer that the aim of our lives is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Sound familiar? If you're an Anglican, you sound familiar? The Westminster Shorter Catechism of 1647. First question, what is the chief end of man and woman? It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. After all, what else is there? What's the chief end of mankind without God? We become the chief end of mankind. It's all about us. Who or what else would we live for? See, when we live to glorify God, we're actually doing something that we were made for. We were made to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. He wants us to know, to be sure of our future destiny. 
One of my discussions on Alpha was with someone who isn't sure. Not sure that their place in heaven is guaranteed. And I think that's such a shame. Because if you believe in Jesus, it is guaranteed. It's not dependent on your performance. It's not dependent on how good you are. It's dependent on how good he is. And he promises that in his Father's house are many rooms or mansions, however you want to translate that verse, or maybe even a home. Trust in God, trust also in me, says Jesus. In my Father's house are many rooms, and I go and prepare a place for you. He wants us to know, to be sure. We can be sure, we can know. It's not arrogance. It's on the bedrock of what Christ has done. On top of that, to live for God is the most enjoyable life there is. Before I was a Christian, I didn't understand that. I thought perhaps becoming a Christian would spoil things. Restrict everything. Curtail my life. But in fact, it's the best life you could ever live. Don't know if you've watched Louis Theroux's interviews over the past weeks. You can catch them, I think, on iPlayer. It's amazing, actually, the people he's interviewed recently. Stormzy, talking about his faith. I didn't know much about Stormzy. I do apologize. Bear Grylls, talking about his faith. And Bear Grylls talked about... Because he's now become a very wealthy man, Bear Grylls. Very wealthy man. But he said, money is not important. Louis said, well, that's easy to say if you're a millionaire. But he said, I know millionaires, and they are not happy. Because nothing satisfies the hole in their lives. I was going, go for it, Bear. Sell the, say the God-shaped hole. He didn't. He just said, the hole in their lives. And he just talked about his simple faith that sustains him. If the goal of our lives is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, in what ways can we, will we, do we glorify him and enjoy him forever? Well, we know the key to that is faith. You want to really please God? Believe him. Trust him. It says in Hebrews, doesn't it? Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We believe God. We believe his word. We believe his promises. We love God because he first loved us. We respond to him. And God who has made possible that he who made heaven and earth wants a relationship with us. 
wants us to know him as father. It's astonishing. And we want to live for him. But actually, the how we will enjoy him forever comes from God himself. It is incredible to think that God made the world just so that he had an outlet for his heart. For his love. For his grace. And the promise through the scriptures is that he is making a new creation. And the joy of heaven is that we will enjoy an unfettered and undiluted presence of God forevermore. Better by far. We don't have a brochure for heaven. I've read some books on heaven. In fact, I've read a book about that thick, and it was all on heaven, and I came away thinking I wasn't actually clearer on what he was trying to say. Because <laughs> even the Apostle Paul, who's quite good with words, I mean, one of the people who are the best with words, he says that he was lifted up into the third heaven, the paradise. He tells about it in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 4. He heard, he heard inexpressible things. Imagine that, hearing inexpressible things. Things that he was not permitted to tell. Imagine having that in your heart. You know, you've been and you've seen something inexpressible, but you're not permitted to tell anybody. Because maybe you can't find the words to express how wonderful it is, like the guy who tried to write that book on heaven that thick. I wonder what he saw and what he heard. But one day we will know. Because we will see and we will hear. You know, when he says elsewhere, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It's been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, but we, it's still beyond us. We, we cannot begin to imagine how wonderful it is. But one day we will see and one day we will hear. We will be met with the kindness of God in Christ Jesus And enjoy his kindness forever. Ever been in the presence of kindness? Think for a moment how it makes you feel. Kindness. And then think of the kindness of Jesus that we will experience forever. He is infinitely benevolent. He is good. He is kind. More than that, he is goodness. He is kindness. The creation of the world and the ruinous fall into sin that called for a recreative work just unleashed the heart of Christ. And he is speaking 
a new creation into being. That new creation has begun. We're part of it. Jesus came, died for the sins of the world, rose from the dead. Sin and death are overcome to all who would believe. And we are his children, but we're also his bride. We are married to Christ. Joined in a covenant of love. And that final joining of Christ with his bride is described in Revelation 21 verses 1 to 4. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He is with us now. We know that. But at that time, he will be with us. We will see him face to face. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. I just want to read again verse 7 from Ephesians 2. It begins with the, from verse 6, God raised us and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In the coming ages, he's going to show us again and again the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The point, when people tell me about, you know, because I discuss heaven. I, I mean, I've got a thing about heaven, I must admit. It's just wonderful. And they think, isn't it going to be boring forever and ever? And I say, I think you're mistaking this present earth. If that was forever and ever and ever, I would agree with you. But the point of unending eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth, which is physical, it's not, we're not up there in the clouds playing our harps. He is coming to make this earth new again. He's going to recreate it. I don't know if he's going to make it from new again or he's just going to mend it all. I had no idea. New Testament seems to give two kind of answers to that. He's going to remake it all or he's just going to, you know, renew it. Depends if you read Paul or Peter. But what this tells us is that unending eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth is so that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Have you been in the presence of goodness or kindness or love?
And we cannot get our minds around it. After all, here we are, just ordinary people, anxiously making our way through life, sinning and suffering, wandering and returning. But when we open our eyes and lift them to heaven, we can rejoice and celebrate because we are in Christ. Nothing of us, all of him. We are raised with Christ so that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Let me pinch a picture from C.S. Lewis. It means that God will one day walk us through the wardrobe into Narnia and we will stand there paralyzed with wonder, joy, astonishment. And the very point of heaven and eternity, according to Paul in this passage, to enjoy his grace in kindness. And the astonishing thing is, he wants us to know that now. All our sins have been paid for. It's the only thing that could have kept us out of heaven. Our sin. And he's paid for it all on the cross. And by faith in him, it's ours as a gift. Do you know it's the enemy that wants you to doubt whether you have that place in heaven? It's not God coming and saying, I'm not sure I'll let you in. Unless you do enough, you're good enough, perfect enough. That's not what the Bible says. Once we were dead in our sins, now we're alive and seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Our sin has been paid for. We can be sure. We can be certain. The enemy would want us to doubt and question, did God really say that? Read Genesis chapters 1 and 2. That's what he began with. Did God really say that? Did God mean that? Yes, he did. His grace and kindness is immeasurable. Our failures can never outstrip His grace. Our failures can never outstrip His grace. When life overwhelms us, we can rest in His unfailing love. I've always remembered this quote from Thomas More, there is no earthly sorrow that heaven cannot heal. I believe that. I believe heaven will work backwards in healing all the hurt and the pain and the agony and turning it into glory. And death is not the end but the beginning, not a wall but a door, not an exit but an entrance. And we will see what yet cannot be fully seen but only with eyes of the Spirit. My heartbreak is for those who refuse his grace. Refuse his love. Because for those who do refuse Christ, and, whether, and we, own, we don't know the hearts of anybody. I've been privileged to lead people to the Lord in their dying breaths. But if you're not in Christ, this life is the best that you can ever think of. 
this life is the best that will ever be. More difficult for us in the West to appreciate that, the wealthy. We're the wealthiest people on the earth. But for those around the world to have this hope that is steadfast and certain is so precious. That's why the persecuted church have such a high view of heaven. Because this life the best is yet to come. In fact, for those in Christ, this life is the worst it will ever get. And on that day, the resurrection day, the Son of Righteousness will appear in the heavens, shining with all his brilliance. Love will come in person once again. I don't know how that's going to all work. Whether we see him on WhatsApp and... Every eye will see him. And Christ will come. And he'll invite his bride, his church, to enter his glory forever and ever. In the coming ages, he will show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. What are you looking forward to? Let's pray.